Testing. Yes. Excellent. How's mine? Perfect. Awesome. Uh, are you good to go otherwise? So, yeah. Fair warning. My yep. apartment is like right across from Mel's. So sometimes like there's a lot of sirens. Nice. Uh, mine is on like this stretch of university where like there's nothing. There's like a single light. So people just kind of rip down. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, we may, we may pick that up. It's just ambiance. Cool. Cool. Everybody loves the sound of a university town. <laughs> it's the worst. All right. Uh, so let's see. How do I do this again? I, I say the words theme song. Hello and welcome to Hello, We Don't Talk, Let's Talk, the show where I, Christopher Huang, reconnect with old friends. And today we have the tenacious Lexa Michaelides. Yes, that is a word that can be used to describe me. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of throw out adjectives because I need to expand my vocabulary and actually like use words better. So That's fair. They, they may or may not work a lot of the time. Okay. Uh, That's, I mean, it's an interesting word. Do you... I was improv president for a while, mm-hmm. and I think tenacious is a great way to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lexa, how are you doing today? Today has been not too bad. I uh, Every weekend, I do a lot of like tabletop gaming. Mm-hmm. So I do two games on Saturday, one game on Sunday. And all of the sessions this weekend have been like super lore heavy. So there's just a lot in my brain. (laughs) Just, just processing what it all means. Yeah. I used the first, my first mind mapping tool today, which is surprising because it's a very useful tool. (laughs) Anyway, it looks insane (laughs) it kelly kelly and i are working on it together and we were like the cork board with sticky notes and yarn like that's the aesthetic we want and i thought we were gonna have to work for it but that just happened automatically (laughs) it is rough it just comes out on its own sometimes yeah you love to hear it Mm -hmm. uh so yeah the last the, the the structure of this show is very loose there are some notes that I hit consistently and then a bunch that I want to hit, but often forget. Uh, cool. So, cool. So, so, so the one that I make sure to hit every time is that I think the last time I saw you probably would have been summit as it has been for every other guest in this month. <laughs> but, but which, which summit? Uh, were you at the space one? I don't think so. Than the World of Warcraft inspired one. Yes, that one. Then we'll the get, one in we're which we're going to go ahead and say that one. The one where we killed Nape. Yes, and yeah. uh, and and Hunter was a skeleton. Gunther. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so as you had uh, mentioned a moment ago, uh, you were president for several terms. Um, as someone who got to like stick around and see and like participate in the summits after your, your presidency was over. Um, h- how do you feel about the change to like the, 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 the impact of the theming on Waterloo summits? I think it was fantastic. I, I think when we loosely tried to pick a theme in years prior and like didn't commit to it, it was 
I hesitate to say shameful, but I'm talking about my own work. So like, yeah, it was shameful. We picked a theme and then we were like, mm. it's, it's there in name only. That's what's on the poster, at least. <laughs> um, I think the the people who came after me, Hunter and AJ, did a fantastic job making our summits themed and coherent and and having them tell a story so that the audience was just a little more invested. Maybe not invested all the way, but like a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't really know what's happened after Hunter, so hopefully it's still good. Fair enough. Uh, so what is it that you're doing now? I think it's like a grad program of some kind. It, it is a grad program. I graduated in 2019, um, for management engineering, and then I hung around to do a research master's program in management sciences in the same department. Yes. Yeah, it's a uh, research is really hard and discouraging, <laughs> and you know, life has been pretty easy for me so far. So she's got to throw a wrench in the engine. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's not been great for my ego, I gotta say. <laughs> um, mostly it's uh, it's just dealing with things I don't know or understand. So uh, what would you say are like the main hurdles that you encounter in your in your researching? My uh, supervisor and your supervisor is supposed to be like the person who guides you yep. in how to do research. Uh, he and his wife just had a baby. So uh, he's a, he's just not the exist. most, not the most available. He's gone. <laughs> um, and I, I, my topic is not quite as related to his research as we had originally expected. So he mm-hmm. is not able to do as much guiding as I would like. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, have you been able to connect with like other researchers that are more aligned with your area? Ish. I sent an email on like Monday to someone hmm. so that's about it <laughs> gotcha. she has she, well, she emailed back to say i'll email you within a week mm-hmm. so just technically to, just to confirm receipt of an email exactly and, which i appreciate i think oh, it's yeah. very organized so technically she has several more hours <laughs> before she's late Ugh. Uh, hate it when a promise is broken <laughs> um was a grad program in like something you had in mind when you started your undergrad or was that more of like no. a later year development? No, I friggin' hated school. Um, from <laughs> who, like, who didn't? That's, that's true. But you know, some people yeah. are like, yeah, I want to be a doctor. Like that's 10 years of work, mm-hmm. 10 years of school. Awful. Uh, no, I got really shitty grades from like first year to third year. And that mm-hmm. was really discouraging. And I couldn't wait to get out of university. Um, and then in third year, everything clicked. Like I had one term where all my courses made sense and they hey. worked together. And I was like, I could do this for the rest of my life. Maybe I will. <laughs> um, and then in fourth year, I got more of that. And that really cemented it. And also, I just have never had a good co-op experience. So mm. the idea of working in industry, fueling capitalism, working for the man, yep. just didn't sound it appealing. Did inspire you. Yeah, I mean, right now I am starting to learn that academia is also very capitalist. So <laughs> uh, there's no way out. Fun stuff. Gotta gotta shake up the system. Gotta yeah. 
get at it from within. Yeah, it's all money, and that <laughs> bothers me. Yeah. It's all right. Everything's going to be okay. Well, most things are going to be okay. That's a, that's a bold statement to say everything's going to be okay. Yes. I don't uh, think that's a promise you can keep. That's definitely not a promise I can keep. Uh, so, so what is it, it, or what is your sort of research topic, if you're allowed to discuss that? I am. It is, um, what did I write in my paper? <laughs> there, no, there's, like, there's many ways of explaining mm-hmm. it, but, like, there is a best way to explain it. Just, like, I a have... specific, succinct wording that you had at yeah, one point. Yeah, exactly. And I just need to, okay, so it's, it's hepatitis B, mm-hmm. and my research should be about modeling the disease prevalence in the population and how it changes depending on how the government funds uh, testing sites and resources. It's that sounds already super specific, Mm -hmm. but it actually needs to be more specific because (laughs) I need to like pick a country and a population to study. And Mm -hmm. I haven't done that yet. So at some point it will be, uh, hepatitis B prevalence in in certain country population mm-hmm. under differing government funding allocation strategies. That is very specific, and should probably help guide the actual like amount narrow down the amount of research that you have to do. Hopefully, hopefully, it's a uh, yeah. We'll see. I'm not really in love with the topic anymore. <laughs> I thought it was really cool and like impactful and helpful Mm -hmm. even if it doesn't get used it's like theoretically useful and that appeals to me Mm -hmm. but um it's kind of white nighty and i don't like that uh because pretty much any not any but many disease testing research questions especially for hep b are going to be like kenya or ghana or Mm -hmm. some african country where you can get the data uh, and where the disease is an actual problem. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not into the vibe of being like a very, you know, wealthy, yeah. privileged researcher at a pretty much white university being like, I'm going to use my math and solve this problem in mm-hmm. this the, impoverished the, country. The, the classic savior. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Problem. And it's, it's more of a problem for masters because it's only two years. So you don't really have time to like mm-hmm. set up a full scale, get my own data type thing. But I think it would be a much more interesting question to study um, any of the hepatitises or tuberculosis or anything like in any population in Canada where it feels closer to home. Um, you know, I, I started off thinking that I was going to study TB Mm-hmm. And that's a huge problem in uh, Northern Indigenous communities. And I thought that would be uh, a worthy research topic. But there's no data. And I don't mm-hmm. have time to get data. So I'm not doing that. Gotcha. <sighs> um, I guess we're running it back a little bit. What is uh, management engineering? <laughs> <laughs> I've spent five years answering this question. <laughs> and now I'm back. Um we, we did it to the TOK kids uh, all the yeah. time. Yeah, oh, that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, management engineering is about optimizing systems and 
Some might say, well, then what systems design? To which I say, I don't know, ask Hunter. And <laughs> it's, it's making the systems. It doesn't have to be optimized <laughs> yeah, in any way. Exactly. You just build a system. But management, um, management looks at how to make things more efficient or easier to use or how to serve their user better. And systems is something that we often think means like a physical like mechanical system or an electrical system or uh, even a data system um, like the internet, but it includes human systems as well, like teams and organizations. Um, The hierarchy of a company is a system. So any of that and any combination of those things is something that we're supposed to be able to look at, analyze and optimize. Got it. Yeah. That's fun. I think so. I love optimization. Uh, so I remember a while back just scrolling through the the old Facebook feed as I would do on a regular day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had taken a lot of like data about your life. Um, yeah. That that's one thing that I know has happened since we last spoke one on one. What 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 spawned that sort of uh, uh, process and and what were what were your results and how how mm. what did you do with that information uh i think i fir- i first started time tracking in 2017 and i used an app called toggle with no e um classic, classic <laughs> app name yeah scheme. it's it's a tech name um i think it's intended for like time tracking at work on a team but I, I used it just to track what I was doing day to day, how long I spent sleeping, cooking, eating, watching Netflix, etc. And I thought that having the concrete data would give me more power over my life and my behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really easy to slip into not really knowing what you're doing. You know, it's like, I feel like watching Netflix, so I'll watch Netflix. I feel like gaming, so I'll game. Um, and then you look back at your time and you're like, what happened? Where did it go? I have all this stuff to do. What, so else, really, could have, what else could have been in those spots? Exactly. So I, I thought having the hard numbers would help me change stuff. And it was, it was very fun to do, like, and just look at the light data. Like, it'll give you a pre-generated pie chart or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had always ambitiously thought that I would have the data analysis chops to like actually dive into it and look at more trends and stuff. And I didn't. Uh, and so I tried again, or I was intending to try again in 2020. And I did a little bit more analysis and then, you know, lockdown started and yeah. I was like, well, all my time is at home it's it's all outliers exactly so (laughs) this is not helpful data anymore and it was just stressing me out so i stopped but the few things that i analyzed uh were time that i spend with my roommate and time that i spent with my cat on my lap (laughs) 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 those are the two things that i cared about enough to analyze Were, were you allowed to track the overlap of those two things I probably could have, and I, I definitely have some small amount of data in which I could analyze that. Um, did I learn anything useful from this? <sighs> I think it definitely highlighted my lack of productivity sometimes. Mm. 
to look at the output of a day. Oh, it also like it transports the data like into a calendar view so you can see like laid out on a calendar. Just day by day. Gotcha. Yeah. Like you slept until this time, then you ate breakfast, then you got ready for the day, then you walked to school. Um, yeah, there's, it's remarkable how much work you can get done in a small amount of time. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I would finish a day and be like, I sat at my computer for an hour and worked, but I like wrote this enormous essay. Um, which is, it's more philosophical than like good data stuff that will help me in my life. Yeah. Um, so I hesitate to say that I learned anything useful that That's I didn't already fine. know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot. So it's just like, what, what, what was the, no. what was the fruit of this effort sort of thing? Just like, was there was anything no there? Fruit. Like, <laughs> no, uh, I, I think probably the, the interesting stuff from 2017 anyway, was that I, had two school terms and a work term Mm -hmm. in that year. And the work term was in Alberta. It was my only out of province co-op. And I was pretty sad. I didn't have any like friends out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was out of time zone for a lot of stuff. And like, I genuinely watched Netflix the same amount that I worked. (laughs) Like that was the the big data takeaway was like, oh boy. Just like a pie chart neatly divided into thirds, just like sleep for eight hours, yes. work for eight hours, and then Netflix for eight hours. Yeah, that was that was what it looked like. It was it was not very nice to see. <laughs> <laughs> it it looked cool it how did. even it was. But it, it uh, did. <laughs> the realization of what it means certainly exactly. uh, certainly had an impact. Dark times. Um so yeah, so, so you're in school now. Uh, I, I imagine lockdown has made it a bit of a weird year. Um, yeah. Uh, so since you finished your undergrad in 2019, how much time did you actually spend like in in the in the pre-COVID um, grad environment? Um, I guess two two terms. I did I did fall term and most of winter term mm. because the campus shut down on something like the week before classes were ending. Gotcha. Um, so I got, I got pretty much two full terms in which I took courses and, and did research on campus. Uh, what's been the major sort of shift um, in terms of like what your day looks like since lockdown kicked in? The, the major shift is um, I think in, in scheduling, obviously, because mm-hmm. I, I struggle to mean, maintain a schedule here um on campus it was very clear like i would wake up i want to get to the office by a reasonable productive hour and then when i'm in the office i'm doing work at my desk in my professional environment and if i go outside of the office the people i'm talking to are colleagues Mm -hmm. and it's all talking about research and teaching and the department and our students your, your, your brain's able to like focus more on the fact that like this like this is work hours. Yeah, work. exactly. It's more immersive. Whereas now it's like I'm thinking about math, but I'm also like talking about D and D with all my friends who are also not working, um, and that's that's been very tough. Yeah, I've shifted to work from home in at like the start of September. Mm. And it's very easy to just be distracted um, with 
literally anything that isn't work from all, some days it's it's much easier to focus on work but others just like well my bed's right there i can just crush a nap or something yeah yeah totally i scrambled at the start because i live like a two minute walk from my office mm-hmm. which is super nice and meant that i made a conscious decision at the start when I got this apartment or when I started renting was uh, I'm not going to have a workspace in my house. If I want to do work, I go to the office. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a healthy adult decision to make, to say I'm going to get this shitty Ikea desk that's like just big enough for my game notes or whatever craft I'm doing. And I Mm -hmm. don't need a monitor. I don't need a keyboard or a mouse or any of that. (laughs) There was no, there, there was no good Samaritan time traveler coming back to be like, "Hey, don't do, don't do that. You, you need a space. You're gonna need." It. Yeah, it's uh, it was not good. But just so when, when campus shut down, they were still letting us like go in to get stuff if we mm-hmm. needed it. So my roommate and I, who live together and share an office on campus, um we like went in and just took our monitors, took our keyboards, just like looted the office. I considered (laughs) taking my desk chair (laughs) because I don't have a desk chair here. I kind of regret it. I wish I'd taken it. Just, just break in. No, no one's around to stop you. (laughs) (sighs) Um, So obviously uh, during the, the undergrad process improv was like, a pretty noticeable part of it. Um, uh, you mentioned that you haven't been able to like pay much attention to like the the sort of presidency after Hunter and AJ. I'm assuming that like uh, improv club itself is like on a bit more of a back burner now that you're in grad school. Yeah, I I mean it seems like it's this way for every president. Mm-hmm. After I stopped being president, I didn't go to club anymore. <laughs> it is it happens to everyone Mm -hmm. uh (laughs) and i think the reality that you'll find if you get any of them to talk to you honestly is that club is not that much fun um if you have to run it and once you're not running it it's also not that much fun because i think most of our presidents have really liked doing stage improv and performing Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm that way for sure. I don't really like the improv games. Mm-hmm. They don't uh, they don't get to my creative heart. <laughs> and I also don't like playing on stage with uh, strangers. Effectively, mm-hmm. I I like playing with my friends. Um, so I stopped showing up to club, and felt real good about it, and uh, just kind of never looked back especially because most of my improv friends were older than me Mm -hmm. uh and they all left one by one and then it was just me and then hunter and i didn't become good friends like until quarantine (laughs) (laughs) well well well, he 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 usurped usurped the throne it's easy to to have a bit of a berry up there right Uh, i don't know about usurped i remember (laughs) grabbing him and being like this is your job you need to do it because i want to leave (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) and he did and he did a great Mm. job and i'm really proud of him (laughs) um so like is improv something that you once lockdown is over 
would like to sort of pursue again outside uh, the, the confines of a university club? I'd be open to it. I, I do love improv. It's, it's always going to be a part of my life, but the, the problem will always be finding the people I want to share it with. Gotcha. Um, and of course you have that D and D set up now. Uh, yeah. I remember talking to Kelly last week that it pretty much scratched the same edge. So. Absolutely. I mean, the only, the only restriction is that like you are a consistent character and you want to be true to the character. Mm. And in, I mean, in the case of the game I play with Kelly and Nate and Todd, like we wrote characters who were blatant self inserts (laughs) for ourselves. Like that was the point when we started. So we are playing ourselves. Uh, You know, I have other games where I don't play myself. Um, And that definitely gets the same edge. If you really need to shake up the system, you could just sort of boot up a one shot of some kind and just oh, yeah. take on a different different persona yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, Kelly Kelly's going to run a one shot soon. Nape owes us one. Like he he's he's been skipping out on it, but he owes us. Calling him out on the show, I love. He it. does. Everyone, <laughs> we've all run one shots. Todd runs this amazing game every week. I've run one in which we were goblins. Kelly's run, I guess it'll be a three shot now. She keeps letting us use the same characters. <laughs> but Nate fucking talks about all these games he's running for his other friends and he shows us the cool items <laughs> he creates and like talks about what he's doing as a DM and he hasn't fucking played a game with us. So wow. this is a challenge. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Yeah. Nate, you have... There's no time limit to respond, but just yeah. please, just please just do please. it. <laughs> or the next time I see you, <laughs> you better fucking watch out. Um, so were you in that sort of uh, class of people that was brought into D&D by, by Todd or, or what's something that you had done before? It? Okay. I guess D&D, D&D was Todd for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, RPGs in general... I I did my first RPG with like a bunch of old friends in Ottawa doing uh, a fudge game with a really cool plot that I want to steal and run for other people. So I, I'm not going to talk about it except that it was zombies and I just, it was a cool concept. Um, and then I built an RPG with a friend and she and I play in that world all the time. Um, we've been playing a game that's just the two of us. So oh. she'll, she DMs and I am the protagonist and we've been playing for almost a year now. Maybe actually a year. I think it's been a year. Hey. <sighs> yeah. And that's, that was my real introduction to RPGs, but it's so mechanically light, like compared to D and D it's just a storytelling game. Like, like I imagine a, a, a two player setup just being like, playing Zork or any of like those those old like dungeon crawling games where you yeah. just like type text in to, to do a command and see if it works or not. Yeah, yeah. Honestly it could be. I think I think one of the coolest things about uh about the the bigger games with more players is like mm-hmm. it really necessitates the face to face. And I know that people do uh play by post stuff in forums and stuff. Sure. But uh, it's such a, a classic sit down together and look at each other and play. But the duet game, I think we could just play by text if we wanted to. 
it wouldn't be as fun, but we yeah. could do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think back when I was on like grade 12, uh, my friend had like presented a prompt in like a text message of the sort where it's just like, here's a, here's a dungeon crawler. You're thrown into it. You didn't ask for this, but here you go. That's awesome. Uh, did that for like a couple hours. And then he realized that he didn't have a great grasp of storytelling. Uh, <laughs> if you're hearing a thrumming, that is a garage door being open. So I'm just going to mute one sec. All right. Now I have a little bit of time before that garage door closes again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so the other thing that I associate with you is of course cats. Yes. Uh, how many are currently under your care? Right now there's three. And that's an exciting number because one is my own. I currently, and for the foreseeable future, have one cat who lives with me. His name is Boots. But right now, Hunter is out of town. So I have care over his cats as well. Nice. (laughs) Uh, What are their names? Mine is Boots, and he is a 15-year-old gentleman. He is a scrawny, garbage little tuxedo cat. He's, you know, he's like a really sloppy tuxedo in that his white stripe is off center. (laughs) And he came from Kelly's future brother-in-law who gave me the Interesting relationship. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly and I probably somehow related now. (laughs) It's tenuous, but it's there. Yeah. Uh, you you don't have to see the cat on the family tree, but there's going to be an exception for this one. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then Hunter's cats are Oscar and Felix. Tight. I'll be sure to jot that down and ask him about those at a different episode. Are you inviting him on? Because when I told him that you had talked to me, he was like, I think I was his backup once and he canceled and then I never heard from him again. Uh, Correct. Uh, I can't. um, Let's see if I can remember. Now, now that you mentioned it, um, <laughs> there was a time, I think, within the first, like, five or so episodes where I had planned to have someone on, and then they just, like, didn't respond or show up. and just like, mm-hmm. uh, you there? And there's, like, panicking. So it's just like, well, I got I to gotta, I gotta have a steady stream of content because I'm a content creator now. <laughs> um, so I just, like, sent out messages to pretty much everyone I knew. It's just like, who, who, who exists? Who, who could possibly respond to this? And yeah, Hunter was definitely one of those people. And uh, I think of the people I messaged on that day, uh, he was like, or I, I don't think I followed up with any of them um, now that I think about it. So I have, a, I have a wealth of people to both apologize to and, and schedule dates with. I just really burning bridges in that first blast. Wow. Yeah. Uh, listen, if they don't talk to me, that just means that there's more for this show. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so to, to give some, some structure, uh, I've prepared a series of uh, over-under propositions. Um, are you familiar with the, uh, I think it's Vulture's over-under? I am uh, not. Quick interviews. Um, so it's basically like, here's a topic. You just tell me if it's over or underrated with any amount of commentary you want to add to that afterward. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Uh, so as it is, uh, as this episode is being released on Halloween, and I also remember I forgot to say the full event title for this month, which is, of course, uh, Halloween on Talk. Uh, Let's Talk presents Proftoberfest 2020 Waterloo Edition. 
uh, and Knuckles featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. I think that's all I need there. Uh, Turbo <laughs> HD Deluxe. There, now it's done. Um, so, so as it is Halloween, that this will be released. Um, a lot of the things are relating to that and, and things that are associated with Halloween. Uh, so the first over under for you is uh, sugar candy. Uh, yeah, underrated. I fucking love candy. <laughs> and people get real, like, real bougie about it, you know, being like fancy desserts and stuff. I'm like, mm. oh, it's too sweet. It's like, no, just fucking eat your sugar. <laughs> Be happy for it. Uh, as far as like your sugar intake goes, um, like, like, what's your preferred vehicle? Like, you got your gummies, you got your chocolates, you got, like, your hard candies. That's such a... It's, it's a question that backs people into corners, and That's I don't like it, enough, quite frankly. Like, you need diversity in your life. Is there anything that you will... That, that you vehemently, like, detest? In terms of sweet things? No, like, I'll take, I'll take a hit of anything. Excellent. <laughs> Um, uh, the next over under is uh, sugar daddies or mommies or just being a sugar baby oh see it's very it's more complicated (laughs) well I think I think it's overrated because I think people people don't realize I guess how much effort it takes to be part of an arrangement like that Mm -hmm. I think there's this understanding and something that people say a lot of the time with regards to any sort of sex work is like, oh, math is too hard. Jobs are too hard. I'll just go be a stripper or I'll just go be um, a sex worker. And I think that really uh, it disrespects the amount of effort that goes into what is essentially a different kind of content creation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really disrespectful and unfortunate because it's very clear to me. And I think to anyone who has any, visibility at all into sex work and people who are uh you know doing like sugar daddy sugar baby arrangements and stuff like that that it's it's an act entirely and you have to cultivate this character and pay attention to all the details and that's that's a huge amount of work i don't think it's just about being (laughs) cute on camera anymore like no that is a job Mm -hmm. uh so next up uh people dressing up as animals uh, as just like a Halloween costume. I think that's probably fairly rated, you know, it's just your run in the mill costume. I think people should dress as animals more. I don't think there's anything wrong with going out with, you know, ears or a tail. I support that. Uh, I guess that sort of uh, answers my follow-up one of uh, over under on furries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, furries get so much shit, and I'm not here for it. Like, yeah. it's not hurting anyone. Have your fun. So we, I, we do not kink shame here. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess underrated. And there's so many varieties of furry. You know, Waterloo is like a hub of furry research. I've never thought of that. It is. Is Like we we have like a leading furry researcher at the university, which is so cool. Um, I don't know their name or anything about them, but I know it's true. But you know their reputation. Yeah, yeah. Someone in my social circle works with them, and I think that's really neat. That's Um, very cool. Yeah, but really, like, man, anyone who talks shit about furries, like, who hurt you? What's so wrong about liking 
happy anthropomorphic animals. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> People uh, suck. And then, so speaking of on anthropomorphic or anthropomorphic animals, Jesus Christ, my mouth, uh, over under on dressing up animals as people. Oh. Oh, I think it depends on the realism of the costume. There's got, there's like an uncanny valley area, I think. Cause you know, like a dog dressed like they have a job, mm-hmm. like a dog wearing like a little plumber's outfit. I think that's pretty cute. But a dog who's like, like wearing an actual person costume, <laughs> like not, not a plumber, not like a judge or, or anything like that, but like a dog dressed as a person. That's not good. We do a shirt on our dog. His name is Phil. <laughs> like not, not cool. <laughs> yeah. That's, but this is that's Phil's weird. Business attire. He is going to do lawyerings. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very weird. Cool. Okay. Or have you seen, there's like a, an Amazon, item that I've seen pictures of that's like a baby costume for a dog but it's not just like a diaper and a rattle it includes like the human skin colored like suit I'm not sure too how far. I feel about that it, I, goes it doesn't sound it doesn't sound great I don't I don't even think it's rated so I can't like <laughs> over or under rate it I just I think it's bad just preemptively slamming down zero stars on that Amazon yeah, product absolutely <laughs> Um, over under on uh, singing aloud at home. Oh, underrated! Hell. That is, it's wonderful. Uh, over under on singing aloud in public. Oh, depends how good a singer you are. <laughs> uh, and not not only that, I shouldn't say that because a fundamental fundamental part of my choral training is that anyone can sing. There's no such thing as a bad singer. You just have to work at it, like most arts. Uh, but it depends on how much your audience is in the mood for whatever you're putting forth. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Good, sensible answer. (laughs) (laughs) Sensible and only somewhat judgmental. (laughs) As a, as a person who, who is very comfortable singing at home without having any sense of how I sound, uh, I aggressively lip sync in public to whatever I'm listening to. Hopefully nobody looks at me and wonders what the heck this guy's doing. He's really vibing. Actually, nah. I, I hope they look at me. I hope they look at me and see what a great time I'm having. Yeah, yeah. I love seeing people who just seem like super happy in public. That's that's a great thing to see. Yeah. Uh, I had a transition and then I th- and then my mind was just about to ask, like, what else do you want to tell me about your life? <laughs> a bold open-ended question. Yep. Uh, uh, this is an organic scene. We're just gonna we're just gonna talk and figure out where it goes. Fuck. Um. I uh, I collect dice now. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen some of your some of your cool finds. Um, yeah. I was gonna say, is that sort of uh, like obsessing on things that you are currently like a fan of? Uh, a common thread throughout your life. And if so, what other things fall into that category similar to the dice to D&D? Yeah. I, normally, I think I would hesitate to say obsession. The dice maybe crosses the line into being an obsession. I think I have had a history of very healthy interests 
which don't take over my life and which I enjoy with good mental health. Mm-hmm. And that includes stuff like choir and improv, D&D, probably Harry Potter when I was younger. Um, back before J.K. Rowling came out as like this oh weird turf. So weird. So not weird. Not weird because the clues are there. You know, the signs were there all along. She just really... Mask off. She just really went public, yeah. Um, the the dice, though, is, I think, because it is adjacent to a D&D obsession. Mm-hmm. And the D&D and RPG obsession, I think, is very healthy because it's super social uh, and creative. And it really it gets the creative juices flowing. But the dice is just an expensive pit of money. <laughs> and it's it's not productive at all. Like I have too many (laughs) dice to ever use, but I, I like them and I buy more. (laughs) Uh, What is the most expensive die in your collection? (sighs) Singular die. I think I have, I think I have one that I could probably sell for like a hundred us dollars. Good God. I pr- I have one or I had one because I sold it that I did sell for a hundred um, and twenty, that felt satisfying because I bought it for much less. What drives that valuation? <laughs> okay, so valuable dice are the ones that are no longer made, like any collection. Yeah, um, they're rare. There are several several big makers of dice. Um, Chessex being the most well-known in North America, in Europe, there's a company called Crystal Cast, which is probably the equivalent. And both of these companies used to make uh, lines of dice that contained a particular sort of glitter. Mm. And that glitter is now used in Euro banknotes. So it's used in currency which means it is a controlled substance. So it's just Ah. way too hard to get to make dice out of. Consequently, any line of dice that used this glitter is now out of production. Hmm. Although they do make uh, new versions of those lines using a different pigment, but it's it's not as pretty. It's objectively (laughs) worse. So sets containing that pigment go for a lot of money on the collector's market. And there are also, um, of course there are, there's like a scale of which colors of set are rarer and more valuable. And the widely accepted rarest, most valuable set of dice. So this would be seven polyhedral dice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe last went for auction at, uh, it's hard to tell because one set went for 750 for the set of seven dice, but then someone else sold the same seven set of dice plus two extras, a pipped D6 in the two sizes, and that sold at a straight sale for 2000 which is insane. Yeah, yeah that's pricey. That's, that's so much money. And that's American dollars. <laughs> that's, that's that's real dollars. Yeah, it's it's madness. It's madness. And yet, if I had that set, I don't think I'd sell it. I think I would keep it and yeah. hoard it like a crazy person. Or a I shouldn't say that. Not like a crazy person. Just like a dragon. A, like yeah. an absurd person. Yeah. <laughs> so dice is, it's really, 
it's a hellhole. How much research would you say you've done into dice? It's not so much active research as being part of a community where you just absorb all the knowledge by just being around them. Um, But, you know, I've been in the community since January, just absorbing. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot now. (laughs) The the tone in which you said that, absolutely terrifying. (laughs) I know a lot of things. And, uh, and they're things I don't think I'm ever going to forget. Any that you're willing to disclose at this time? Um, recently, Artisan Dice started selling D20s made out of human femurs. Nice. So that's pretty cl- cool. Literally rolling the bones. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting product. It's a weird company. They make dice out of all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> Artisan style. Yeah, they make stuff out of, like, poop. I think there's, like, a, a moose poop one. Uh, they have mammoth ivory. It's just really, like... Damn. I think it's a bit extra. Uh, all, all my dice are resin. Bit of a morbid question. Uh, do you know what you intend to do with your body after you pass? And if not, do you think you would volunteer your bones for dice? I would not volunteer my bones for dice. Um, I have thought about, essentially, I want to be cremated. And then after that, I don't care. (laughs) I just don't, I just don't want to be buried. I don't like the idea of graveyards. I don't think it's an effective use of space. I think the reverence that we show for the intact corpse is weird. Yep. Fully Um, agree. Yeah. I just want to take up as little space as possible. And if that means burning me and getting rid of me perfect <laughs> just just dust in the wind literally just get rid of it no one needs that around <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so recently you were at your cottage uh, yes had you is that something that you've taken to doing more since you know the options of <laughs> getting out of the house are much slimmer these days <laughs> uh Yes, I being able to get away from work has made it a lot easier to just go to the cottage for a week at a time. It's I don't have a car, so it's still I have to rent a car and it's expensive and it's it's a big thing. Um, But it's it's very nice to do. And I'm very lucky to have this family cottage. (laughs) My parents just rebuilt it. So it's much fancier and like, I feel like an actual child of privilege now. Whereas before, like, you know, I felt very lucky and privileged, but the Mm -hmm. cottage was like a shack. Yeah. It was not nice. And now it's just like a monument. It's so bougie. (laughs) It's very bougie. And this is, this is like something that I think people maybe aren't aware of until they know me for a little while. Cause I think I, I talk a good talk when it comes to social justice and like being anti-capitalist and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But like, I'm, I'm pretty privileged. It happens. <laughs> um, it, it is, did you have any input on the bouginess or was that just like a strictly parent driven decision? Totally parents. It's uh, I think it's the only thing that they have tentatively committed to leaving to me in the will. 
So I've been very invested in them not selling it and moving because I don't want to inherit a cottage. I mean, I would, like, I wouldn't mind inheriting (laughs) anything, obviously, but I would strongly prefer to inherit my, the lot. Yeah. The lot on the lake where I grew up and have all these memories with, even if it's not the shack, you know, I certainly don't mind that it's a nicer building. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's it's theirs, so they did all the designing. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your typical cottage activities? Is it just like lounging around in a in a nicer space? In in this weather, it was it was pretty chilly. Um, but when it's warmer, it'll be canoeing mostly. I'll take out my little canoe. It's it's a very small lake, so there aren't a lot of motorboats, and it's really peaceful to just go out in a canoe or a kayak, and I'll just kind of paddle around and look for frogs and birds, and I'll portage to other lakes and just be outside and be quiet. Lovely. Um, when did you learn to canoe? Uh, it's definitely one of those things I don't remember learning, I'm sure. I was out in the canoe with my parents when I was very, very young. And then we have a paddle at the cottage that is like, it's a a baby paddle. So I have to assume that I would have learned when I was at the right size for that paddle, which I would estimate is when I was maybe like eight or nine. Gotcha. And then I, I don't think I started going out alone on the lake until I was probably like 14 or 15 which was kind of when I was big enough to handle my it's such a tiny canoe it's like it's 14 feet long which is like usually the length of a canoe that one person would use but it has two seats so if I find someone small enough I can get two people into my canoe. it's it's very small that, that sounds incredibly cramped <laughs> it just I think he came with the cottage. My canoe's name is Sebastian. Uh, He's been around as long as I can remember, and he has never sunk, so I'm very proud of him. Was was that a name you attributed, or someone told you that its name is Sebastian? No, I named him, and I'm pretty sure I named him after the crab in The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Um, We have Sebastian, who's my little canoe. We have a bigger one called Clifford, because he's big. They're both red obviously. Uh, gotcha. yep. And then my gotcha. dad has, he's got like a fancy, it's made out of something fancy. It's like carbon fiber or oh, wow. something. Um, his midlife crisis canoe. <laughs> it's, it's very fancy and I don't like it. It's not as stable as mine. <laughs> Definitely a less common choice for, for midlife crisis purchase. I got to hand it to him though. He, he picked well, it's a very nice canoe cheaper than a car he spends a lot of time in it so i think it was a good call uh what do you anticipate your midlife crisis purchase to be so earlier i told you that there's a set of dice that costs two thousand dollars yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know if i'll still be into dice by the time i'm middle-aged but with what you know um, now seems like a strong candidate <laughs> yeah maybe those dice or maybe like probably something cat related like it wouldn't be a cat but it might be like a really nice thing for a cat mm-hmm. although i could also see it being a car not above that 
<laughs> Actually, no, sorry, I'm wrong. It's a sex toy. Obviously, <laughs> obviously it will be like a midlife crisis, really fancy sex toy. Yep. That's yep. the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, a lot of people often ask me on the show if they're allowed to ask questions. Is that a concern that you had? And do you have any questions for me? Uh, it was not a concern I had. I know that I can do whatever I want at any point, pretty much. Very all the time. good. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I'm generally curious about what you've been up to. Sure. Uh, really just kind of nine to fiving it a lot of the time. And then my yeah, downtime. What's your, what's your work though? What do you do as an adult? I am a claims examiner at an insurance company uh, handling currently uh, technical claims, which just like things people buy on credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, namely trips to places that aren't Canada. Um, and some that are in Canada that we don't cover under the wording of the policy. Um, it's been a, it, I got into the role because the team needed a lot of help to get through the, the tens of thousands of cases that came in because nobody's allowed to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're like, we like the cut of your job. Do you want, do you want a position within the team permanently? And I'm just like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Cause I had been working at the insurance, co- insurance company since 2006, 17, 16 or 17 um, in November. And I was just kind of like in the mail room, not really thinking about like what I wanted to do in terms of like a more fulfilling job. I was just like, we're just going to focus on getting money for now pay off student debts, move out, stuff like that. Um, and like internal movement within the company is kind of weird because like while the mailroom gives a decent knowledge of like how the systems work, the 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 actual like skill set doesn't really apply in a lot of other departments. Yeah. So it's just like, well, we don't, there, there's no like clear track. So like here's your entry level position, but like, the next level is question marks. Just look at the internal job board and see if there's something that you have qualifications for and, and interest in doing. Um, and there was a lot of that. So I just like run at the mailroom. Um, yeah. And then my time outside of work is as usual, playing a lot of video games, usually with people. I've in, in my later years, I've found that, uh, I found that just like solo gaming is much less interesting than gaming with people. Um, I had wanted to do a Twitch stream for a while just to have that sort of people connection, even if I were to just be playing a game by myself. But uh, mm-hmm. it's hard to be on Twitch as as a person such as myself. Um, where what, what? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I play games, I like... Like, I can't think and, like, talk and, like, my thought processes don't really exist. It's just, like, all instinct. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't think about what I'm doing. I just, like, feel like I know this is what I have to do. Okay. Um, so, like, conveying a thought process to an audience, just, like, why are you doing what you're doing? It's like, I don't know either, man. It just kind of happened. <laughs> I can see why that would be unsatisfying yeah. to watch. Um. 
so then it, and then like what else would I be sort of communicating to my audience um and the answer is like I, I I've got I've got nothing for them so like unless someone is in chat trying to like talk to me and be like want to strike wanting to strike up a conversation I'm just like sitting there playing the game there's like a camera on my face it doesn't look great <laughs> and, so so and, like, you like footage. you like the game for the social aspect and twitch does not really give you any of that twitch innately does not give that okay. like yeah. like they needs like the audience needs to somehow find their way to me and then the audience yeah. like i i don't do a great job of engaging the audience um unless unless prompted by the audience to engage with that if that okay. makes sense. Okay, yeah. So you need the audience to be yeah. engaging. Okay. So you you just like play with with friends. Do you do like cooperative or competitive or what? Uh, yeah. Team team based games like cooperative stuff is definitely yeah. my preferred way of engaging with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a WoW guild for like three years that I've steadily cultivated a, a fine group of individuals. Nice, um, nice. Working toward the common goal of killing bosses, and yeah. that's been nice. Um, I've had some friends who got back into playing games during quarantine because what else are people going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of like five v five, like ranked ladder action, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool because for a while, the like these people, uh, like these friends of mine had had no interest in doing such a thing, <laughs> and I was the only one doing it. <laughs> so I, I welcome them heartily into my domain. <laughs> uh, that's nice. Yeah, and I've recently started playing a, a game called Divinity Two. Oh my uh, god! Yes. Yes, it's been oh, a Hunter, real blast. Hunter and I play Divinity together. Nice. That's our our co op game when we're not uh, playing D anD. d Um, which uh, how, how have you set up your character in Divinity? So this is my third playthrough, um, and we so we each have two characters, and my my original character is uh, an elf because I, I fucking love divinity elves. They're so creepy. They get to eat. Uh, they, they get yeah, to eat body parts. They're so satisfying. <laughs> you're just running around, and you're like, ooh, a snack, and then you learn something from your body. <laughs> so cool. Uh, so she is a huntsman build. I think the bows in Divinity are super overpowered. Um, mm. And that appeals to me. Yeah. So she's a, a huntsman with kind of like a splash of a lot of other stuff to give her high mobility mm. and a little bit of fire magic. And that's very satisfying. And then I play Beast the Dwarf as yep. a summoner. Because hey, the action economy is just fucking brutal yeah. on summons. It's so satisfying. <laughs> uh, my friend plays uh, uh, Los, Losi. I never pay attention to how things are pronounced. I call her Losa. Um, he's having a blast getting last hits on everything and then bragging about it to everybody. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I am I am Beast uh, playing as a summoner. Nice. It's super fun to have my yeah. giant incarnate just go to town. I love it. The number of times that my incarnate we call him Inky mm-hmm. uh, 
Inky or one of the totems gets a last hit, like they get all of our kill shots. Yeah. It's been so long yeah, since one of our rolls. actual characters <laughs> killed something. It's just Inky and he just fucking like, he just stops them. I love him. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite element of Incarnate? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of just a basic, just a basic physical damage inky. Uh, I think if I had to choose a different one, I would probably pick uh, electricity because it's got such good synergy with the other members of my party gotcha. uh, who do a lot of water and air stuff. Um, if I'm playing alone, I like fire. It's just so satisfying. Yeah, and it's hard to beat that giant, just like fireball, exactly burning everything up. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I should stop saying "ah" oh, on this podcast. It's not. It's not compelling. Do you edit? Do you edit stuff? I, I don't edit. Out, I don't just... edit out the "us." I, I will uh, truncate the silence to be like much shorter. So yep. if there's every time where I'm just full brain farting, nobody's really going to tell the difference, which plays to. <laughs> My, or which, which shores up my weaknesses. Um, outside of that, uh, the rest of it is just like sound mixing. Um, mm. I think there was one time where I noticed that there were a lot of pops in the uh, in like the waveform. So I'm just like, all right, all right, we're gonna we're gonna crack my knuckles and uh, go to town on these on these pops and make sure that it, it it's a nice listening experience to all. Very nice. That was the What's, most I'd ever done. Where, like, where do you post these slash, like, how much audience do you have, I guess? Yep. Uh, so I upload them to Anchor, and then Anchor has, like, a way to sort of re- redistribute the podcast onto, like, whatever platforms exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. And then I upload, like, the raw video feed or footage to YouTube. Um the audience, the estimated audience size on Anchor is 15, which I think is just like, here's your number of episodes, here's your number of total listens, and we're just going to divide those. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the audience size on like the YouTube videos just kind of varies by guest. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, because the only um, sort of promotion I have for it is just like posting a link in the feed and being like, that I'm done, you know. I'm not like managing a separate Twitter account to be like, here's my podcast. Here's a new episode. Um, Because I think for the most part, uh, the, the the main uh, sort of entertainment benefit of this show is just like, well, I want to know how, or like other people, like mutual friends Mm -hmm. would like to know how people are doing. So it just provides them an avenue to do that without having to actually like talk to them themselves. Yeah, totally. Um, so like this month, as you know, it's all people that I know from university. I don't have a lot of friends I made in university. Um, a lot of the people that I have on Facebook are people that uh, I met in high school, because uh, those were a very solid four years of like being an IB. So like the cohorts mm-hmm. just kind of sure. like a lot of the same classes and stuff. Uh, so like the the range of listens on a given up ep- on like across all episodes is it's pretty wild. Um, peak is like 160 something, which is too high. I don't, I, I hope that's just like several people chunking up a single listen into multiple viewings. 
Was it than, Todd? Was it Todd's episode? No, it is actually um, just like my friend from high school. Um, okay. I was going to say, because that Todd, I could see yeah. gaming something. I wonder, I'm, I'm looking up Todd's number because <laughs> we simply must know. <laughs> I'm just very suspicious of him at all times. <laughs> you are right to be. Yeah, it comes with the territory of him being my DM, but also like <laughs> there's just a lot of mischief in that boy. And you don't expect it from such a such a tall dude to, to be has, as sprightly in the speech. Exactly. He has no subtlety. <laughs> there he's not he's not hiding anything. You just know there's something going on. <laughs> uh 37 is uh is Todd's body count. I'm going to frame it as a body count. I don't know why I felt like doing that, but you know, it's, the words are out there now and it doesn't get edited. You made that decision. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I certainly can't tell if it's unique people, like 37 unique people versus just like this video was clicked on 37 times. Mm-hmm. The, the, the wonders of what a YouTube view count really means. uh so lexa if you were to uh give a ted talk on any topic something that you are passionate about i'm gonna guess that it's currently dice is what's floating in your mind right now is that is that an accurate guess it it has occurred to me yes but i don't know what the audience would be because anyone in the dice community should already know this stuff and anyone outside of the dice community doesn't care. <laughs> so finding your audience is challenging. Um, it, it, it might be D&D stuff. I don't know. It, it's, it's probably like lessons from D&D or something soft and squishy like that. <laughs> or, uh, oh, no, it's, uh, it would be like relationship dynamics analysis. I thought you were going to say sex toys again. <laughs> <laughs> sex toys. Yeah. I, there's only so much you can talk about with sex toys because it's, here I go, here's the talk. It's like, it's all about your own body, right? Yeah. So any advice that someone else has is like, cool, unless your genitals are exactly like mine and your mm-hmm. brain likes the same stuff. That's great advice for you. Uh, but enough about sex toys. <laughs> I, I think it would be uh, like healthy relationships and relationship dynamics. That's been something that I have been continuously obsessed over and, and interested in for quite a while. And uh, it never seems to get old. Uh, what do you characterize a, or how do you characterize a, a sort of successful relationship? Uh, it's a lot of it is like, you know, things like the classics, like trust and respect and open communication. And I think it's pretty easy to recognize the qualities of a, a healthy relationship or a good relationship. Uh, and it's, it's harder to cultivate them because it's one thing to say an, a good relationship has open communication, um, but building a relationship in which that exists and is encouraged and expected is I think harder than people expect. Uh, There's a lot of 
inborn awkwardness to being vulnerable and talking about the things you need or the way that someone makes you feel, especially if you're feeling hurt or, uh, or any other difficult, challenging emotion, uh, ones that we're not really taught to process productively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it can be really brutally hard to talk about that with, a, I say a partner, but it goes for friends and family and acquaintances, okay. anything. It's always hard to talk about the stuff that makes you feel vulnerable and seen. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't have like an essay prepared on, on how to do that, but that really interests me. I think that's something I could spend a lot of time mulling over and rambling about. So, so as like a sort of, um, uh, oh, I had it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just like as a singular piece of advice to someone who may be in a relationship um, for the first time. You know what? I'll say it. Uh, I, I, I found a match on Bumble during quarantine and I have no idea how to assess the, how to assess how the relationship is going. Um, I think it's been made clear that uh, the, the, the feelings are not quite mutual, not in the way that like, one person feels one way and the person and the and the other person feels the opposite way the other person is just uncertain about how they feel hmm. um i don't know where i was going with this uh hmm. i was like looking for general general relationship advice or yeah, like specifically specifically what do you do if a, a, let's just go for a singular general piece of relationship advice my my most general advice is sort of pessimistic and it's that sometimes all the troubles that you're seeing in a relationship are not things that you can really dig down and fix and it just simply means you've picked the wrong person and there's nothing wrong with that uh, and it's okay to just acknowledge that and thank each other for the time you've had and the growth and the experiences you've shared and acknowledge that uh you picked wrong and you got to go pick again, <laughs> which enough. was not meant to be a call out for your specific situation. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that's probably the most unpleasant thing to deny because it means you'll constantly be working under the assumption that you can fix something. And if you can only just figure out this one thing, like everything will be fine, but sometimes it's no one's fault and you just mm-hmm. don't fit. And that's okay. There's a lot of people in the world. It'd be there a miracle. Are. It'd be it's it's a miracle that anybody finds anybody. It really fucking is. And it th- I mean that's that's the hard part cuz it's like, you know, what if this is a person that I could work with to be happy with forever and and really figure out how to fix all the problems we have and maybe we will be happy and maybe this is a reasonable amount of work to commit for the promise the guarantee of lifelong happiness. Uh, But then of course there's the unknown that they might not be the right person. There might be a different right person. There might be no right person. It's all quite frankly, unknown and terrifying. Yep. And you just, there's nothing to it, but to do it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's, you know, why like rich uh, platonic friendships are also important. All of that good stuff. Hell yeah. I'm a big fan of not putting all your hopes and dreams in one romantic partner. Sounds. Uh, so, Lexa, one final question I have for you. 
if you were to host your own version of this show where you talk to your old friends, who is someone you would like to have on? And I do not need to know who they are in the slightest. Uh, I gotta say, there aren't a lot of people who I have let walk out of my life who I would be interested in reconnecting with. Um, I, I suppose probably someone from high school. I could probably pick a high school improv friend and be happy to have caught up with them after a long time, but also not feel like that meant I needed to start up a full-fledged friendship again. So the pickings are rich. Um, I think a uh, person who was on my high school improv team in grade 12, when we won our Canadian improv games national finals was uh, her name was Kira. And she, I think she was in grade 10. So it was like, she was young and it was her first time on the team and we won this huge thing. And then everyone graduated and it was just her. Oh no. Yeah. Which is like pretty brutal. So, you know, it would be interesting to hear how she handled that and uh, what she did afterwards. Cause I'm sure she did something neat because she was a really good dancer and that gets you places in life. So, <laughs> Yeah, soon she's doing something cool, probably because of the dance. <laughs> that is a fantastic answer. Uh, two thumbs up. That's the max rating. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to end the show by giving my guest a moment to plug anything that they believe deserves more attention, whether or not they like it's something that they're doing, something that they, they someone knows is doing, uh, just really anything that they want eyes on, uh, you have the floor. Yeah, if you like dice, there's a Facebook group <laughs> called Goblin Dice Horde. Horde spelled as though a dragon is hoarding something. And uh, if you like dice and want to come see me post dice, it's not just me, it's a lot of people, but like I post a lot, so come, <laughs> <laughs> come collect dice with me. Wonderful. Uh, one last thing that I just thought of, um, as this is a Halloween episode, uh, I don't know how much you know of The Simpsons, but every Trials of Horror, the the credits have like a little spooky take on people's names. Um, for this episode, I'll credit myself as Crypt, Crypt Stuffer. Oh, God. Uh, well, what would be your, your spooky Halloween name? I know how you feel about puns in general. Yeah, so, this so, is... So, so this may just be anguish for you. Feeling a bit, a bit attacked in the last minute here out of nowhere wow um do i have to nope okay you can i I will just make one up for you yeah you can make one up or i give nape this rare opportunity if you'd like to message him to get a sanctioned pun cool i I will consult with him my current candidate is hexa michael ladies anyways (laughs) That's that'll do it for the Provtoberfest. Uh, sorry, Hello, we don't talk. Let's talk presents Provtoberfest 2020 Waterloo Edition, featuring uh, uh, or sorry, and Knuckles featuring Dante from the Double May Cry series Turbo HD Deluxe. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Alexa, for being here. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I have yet to gracefully close out a show. In case that hasn't been clear. I'm sure you'll get there maybe one day. 
Yeah, it's it's trial and error. <laughs> this this may not be it. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> thank thank you, listener, wherever you are, whether it be day, night, morning. I'm just gonna peel the bandaid off. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>